Good morning. Hi. My name is Ned Erdmans, and I'm the new guy on staff. I have been hired by Ignite Church to be their campus pastor in Barnesville. And it's wonderful to meet you this morning and to worship Christ with you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you for the hope we have in a risen Lord and Savior. And during this Easter season, we give thanks for the hope we have in Jesus. I pray that during this time, you will speak to our hearts and our minds and our lives through your word. Lord God, we ask that you change us and that we can be more and more like Jesus. And we pray this in his name. Amen. I've been hired on staff, but I'm part-time. And so the rest of the week, when I'm not doing church things, I'm actually a volunteer driver for the Red Cross. And what I do throughout all the hospitals in the region is I deliver blood, hospital supplies. It's, it's, it's become pretty intense in the last couple of weeks. But while those moments at the hospital are intense, it's also interrupted by long periods of time in the van. One of those long drives is all the way from Graceville to Breckenridge. And there's not much to hold your attention until you get about two-thirds down the drive. And obviously, one of the farmers has put a big billboard in his field. And you see it from a long way off. And on the top of the billboard, it says, Jesus saves. And I can't disagree with that. And as you come closer to the billboard, you see a picture of Jesus, and it asks a question. If you died this minute, then what? Well, I would have to say that after what Pastor Chase said last week, I'm ready for that minute. Chase taught us last week that in Christ we are justified. And even though I have a loving but offended Heavenly Father, my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has paid for my offenses through his shed blood on the cross. And now I'm justified, just as if I never sinned. And I can meet my Lord with confidence. So I'm really happy about that. That's awesome. But what if I survive the next minute? And I get through the next hour, and I wake up the next morning, find myself around the next day, the next week, the next month, get through the COVID virus. Then what? Is there something more to this? Or am I just supposed to kind of wait around until I die? Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. We know that in Christ we are justified. But our God is not only in the life-saving business, he's in the life-changing business. In Christ, we enter a process called sanctification. It's where God radically changes our lives by his presence. And so what I'd like to do this morning is talk a little bit more about what it means to be in Christ and to start that process of sanctification. Let's start by reading a passage of Scripture where Paul talks about this in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. 
Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On the account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of Christ after the image of its creator. Here, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. So what does it mean to change? All of us know that we need to change and that there are things in our lives that need to change. I know that I need to lose 20 pounds. I need, I need a new wardrobe. I need new clothes. And I know that I should be nicer to my wife and my family. Uh, I know I should probably drive the speed limit. I mean, we all have these things that we know should change. And so, is that what we're talking about in Christ? That we kind of enter this kind of self-improvement regimen where we kind of shape up a little bit? Well, yeah, that's not what we're talking about really at all. You know, there are a lot of people and a lot of companies that want to help us change our lives. Nutrisystems is in the life-changing business. Revlon is in the life-changing business. HDTV, it's in the life-changing business. And yet when we say that God is in the life-changing business, he's not talking about cosmetic changes, just kind of tweaking and improving a few things. He's talking about a radical transformation, a spiritual transformation, where we are changed in many ways from the inside out due to his powerful presence, the guidance of his word, the encouragement of his people. We're talking about a spiritual transformation where we change in our very essence. So when we talk about being sanctified in Christ, we are talking about a process of change that radically changes everything. In fact, the goal of this process is to be more like Jesus. Now, that sounds pretty good until you got to that part. Be like Jesus. That, how can anything be more intimidating than trying to be like Jesus? Now, uh, I'm going to give you a hint as to how old I am. I'm the same age as Michael Jordan. And one of the deep desires of my life, in fact, one of the things that I've often believed would kind of bring a complete circle to my life, complete my ambitions, really give me a sense that I have lived, is if I could possibly dunk a basketball. And I have thought about dunking a basketball since I was a child, dreaming 
about dunking a basketball, aspiring to dunk a basketball, desiring to dunk a basketball. So you can imagine that when Michael Jordan, the greatest of all time, started pitching Gatorade with the theme, Be Like Mike, for me, that was soul-crushing. Because I don't care how much Gatorade I was going to drink, there's no way I was going to dunk a basketball, ever. It's impossible for me to be like Mike, the greatest dunker of all time. So if it's impossible for me to be like Mike, how could it be possible for me to be like Jesus? That just seems too big. And yet, when we're sanctified in Christ, that's exactly where we're headed. That's exactly our goal. Paul explains many times in Scripture that our process of sanctification is a process of death and resurrection. This week is Holy Week. It's the week before Easter. And it's a time when we think a lot about what Jesus did for us by dying on the cross. And we also have an opportunity next Sunday to celebrate his resurrection. Yet this same idea of death and resurrection is imitated in our lives as we change over and over and over again. Let me go back to this passage of scripture that we were in earlier. In verse 3, Paul writes this, For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. You have died. Wow. What does that mean? I think all of us have thought a lot more about death the more we find out about COVID and the more we worry and, and pray about our loved ones and our friends. So why would the process of change start with dying? Wouldn't it make more sense if it just started with living? Why doesn't he say uh, the process of change is just start really living, living it up? Why do we need to start with dying. Well, again, it's that process of death in order to rise anew to a new life. Paul goes on to tell us some things that are going to be important for us to put to death in order for us to come to life. Now, when I talk to people about putting their faith in Jesus Christ, one of the things that they say kind of turns them off on all the, the faith talk is all the don'ts. They don't really like lists of don'ts. And in this passage of Scripture, we get a long list of don'ts. Why do we need to start with don'ts? Why don't we start with do's? And yet, I think, if you were to be honest, any transition process, any time when we've needed to change in our lives, the first thing we've had to engage in is a process of elimination. It's getting rid of those things that are going to keep us from changing. And so Paul starts out explaining this process of sanctification, of changing, of being transformed, of actually putting to death certain things in our lives that will keep us from coming alive. The first thing that we have him talk about with us 
is putting to death our old thoughts. We read in verses 1 and 2, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Lately, I've been thinking a lot about the virus. It's hard not to. It's just about every news article. It's something that we talk about with our family and with our friends. Uh, we get on Facebook. We, we can't escape it. And so I want us to think about some of the things we thought about before COVID. And interestingly, even before COVID, we were thinking about certain things that we thought would change our lives. For instance, I know that throughout my whole life, I've thought a lot about my job. Um, I've thought a lot about my investments. I've thought a lot about food and the next meal I was going to eat. There were, there were all sorts of thoughts, thoughts about things that I thought would you know, change my life, make my life better, make my life more secure, give my life some sort of direction. And now with COVID around, it's tempting to think about the same things, but in a different way. Will I have a job? Um, my investments have gone in the pot. What's in my fridge? And yet we're encouraged as resurrected people to put these thoughts not only aside, but to death, to put aside our obsession our thinking about things that we believed at one time would bring us life and simply can't, and instead ask God to bring us new thoughts, thoughts about who he is and the life that he has for us, thoughts about the opportunity that he has given us to share his love with others, that maybe in the midst of this crisis, we can put to death finally some thoughts that it really kept us from coming alive in Christ. I'm wondering if right now you can isolate one of those thoughts, a thought that you might even be having, may have had even this morning, that has continued to keep you from concentrating on God. I'd like to start that process of sanctification, which is sharing that with God. Don't be afraid to tell Him that you're struggling. It's exactly the place where he wants to help us change. So if, if you've identified that thought, would you pray with me? And let's pray about it. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the hope I have in Jesus. I pray, Lord God, that you would help me put to death these thoughts that drag me into hopelessness or desperation. Lord God, I know that I'm going to struggle with this. I pray that you would come alongside, that your spirit would work in me, that you would bring people into my life that would encourage me. And Lord God, I pray in this area that you would give us and give me your thoughts. Resurrect my mind. I ask for this in Jesus' name.
Amen. Paul tells us in Romans 12 too, to not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. But also, once our minds are being renewed, it really is intended to bear fruit and change our actions. And so Paul later in this passage of scripture gives us a list of actions that in order to grow and change in Christ, we need to put to death. Verse 5 reads, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Put them all away. That's quite a list. I live in a world, and you do too, where we're inundated with messages. And many of these messages are trying to tell us what will change our lives, what will make our lives more exciting, what will make our lives better. And yet, many of these messages are hypersexualized, monetized, consumerized. I know that's not a word, but I made it up. It's like we're hypnotized. Hypnotized into a belief that there's something out there that has eluded us. And maybe something even a little naughty that just might give us that spark that just might give us that sense of security and meaning. And what Paul's trying to tell us is, while that's tempting, what we're being asked to do is to put our faith in sin. Isn't that what happened in the Garden of Eden, the very first temptation? The idea that somehow God is keeping something from you, something that really would fulfill your life, something that really would give you meaning and hope. But our God holds nothing back that will give life. This list is telling us that sin provides empty promises and always ends in destruction. And worst of all, it keeps us from growing. It keeps us from changing. It keeps us from being like Jesus. And he tells us to put these things not aside, put these things on the shelf, but to put these things to death. In order that we might live and be risen to a new life in Christ. Now, I'm imagining that for all of us, there are some actions, some things that we do that aren't like Jesus at all. They're, they're not part of who God is, and yet they're still a part of us. I'm wondering if we can start that process of change by praying about that. So would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Again, I praise you and thank you for the new life that we are given in Jesus Christ. That he paid 
the price for my sin. And Lord God, I pray for us now that if there is a sin in our life that we continue to look to, that we continue to embrace, that we haven't put to death, Lord God, that you would help us know that, be aware of that, and help us begin that process of killing it. That we might grow and live in you. Lord God, I pray for the presence of your spirit, your strength, the guidance of your word, the encouragement of your people in changing me to turn from sin and to build my life around you. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Lastly, in this list of things to put to death, Paul gives us some attitudes to put to death as well. Starting in verse 8, Now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. Scripture tells us often that the contents of our heart eventually comes through our words. I've often said, once your mouth starts moving, something's going to have to come out. And what comes out is the content of our hearts. Now, I've got to admit to you, I'm a dinosaur. There are certain things that happen around me these days I don't get. And I have to call my kids up and I have to ask, please explain this to me. I don't get it. I remember my dad doing that, so I'm embarrassing. It's a sure sign uh, that I'm becoming a little old. Didn't think it would happen, but it certainly has. And one of the things that has really mystified me is that um, cussing is kind of in, I've noticed. Uh, this, this, this use of language that I remember my mom very distinctly sticking a bar of dial soap in my mouth once I said one bad word, you hear it all around. Sometimes you even hear it in Christian circles. And I, I'm thinking that the use of profanity is so that we can project that we're real and genuine and telling it like it is and uh, invulnerable and, and tough. But Jesus doesn't use those words, nor does he feel the need to be tough or invulnerable. We live in a world where we've heard enough discouraging words. We've had enough people diss each other. We've had enough people find fault. And Paul says, put these things, if you are dealing with anger that just won't go away, it's going to come through and it's going to keep you dead. If you have malice, you have greed, constantly lie, these are all attitudes and behaviors of someone who is insecure, hasn't found their life yet. And Paul said, don't go that direction. <laughs> don't fake it. Be real. Be vulnerable, lift these attitudes to God, and be changed.
So if there's an attitude in our heart right now that's keeping us dead, keeping us down, keeping us from being resurrected in Christ, I'd like us to share that with God too. So let's pray once more. Heavenly Father, I pray that you look into my heart and study the words that come from my mouth. And I pray, Lord God, that the attitudes and the words that keep me from you would begin the process of being put to death in Jesus Christ. Change my heart, O oh God. Let my words be ones that build others up, that bring good news, that share your love. Lord God, as we've prayed this morning, I pray that you give us your thoughts, help us live out your actions, and change our attitudes, Lord God, putting to death what is old so that you may fill it with what is new. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, once we're engaged in this pretty ominous but pretty exciting process of being changed, of being sanctified in Christ, how is it that we're going to keep this going beyond this moment that we're sharing together? Well, Paul gives us some insight in that, too. I'm going to start in verse 9 again. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Together, we can be changed into the image of Christ. What an amazing and wonderful and ominous and big idea, and yet how hopeful because this is what God wants for you. This is what God wants for me. He wants us to be more like Jesus. And I hope that we want that too. And he's not going to let us alone in this endeavor. God has given his presence in the Holy Spirit to live inside us, to, to empower and to encourage and to guide us in this transformation. He's given us his word to lead us and guide us and help us to know the direction we're going. And also, he's given us each other. I don't know how this would be possible to do alone. And so Paul writes this in verse 11. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. You know what I think that Paul is saying in this verse as he sums things up? is that we're all in this together. The purpose of gathering together is not trying to, trying to make an impression on each other, trying to intimidate each other. Not at all. We're being asked to be finally honest and real and vulnerable and ready to change and to do this with others who are in the same process and on the same journey. You know, this may be a time for us to think about becoming part of a connection group here at Ignite Church, or perhaps even a life group, but some way to begin to be connected and real with other people 
people who are also committed to this journey, to this process of change, of sanctification. There's an opportunity right here on the website to respond. We have an online response. And I hope that you'll engage with that. If you're interested in being part of a connection group or a life group, or would like us to be praying for you because you're taking this process very seriously and right now it's really ominous, or maybe you're even scared, let us pray for you. We're in this together. In Christ, we are justified. God is both just and the justifier, but also we have a God who not only is in the life-saving business, but he's in the life-changing business, and he's ready to change you and change me. Are we ready? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you for the living hope that we have in Jesus. He who died and then was resurrected to life, Lord God, help us to die to this old stuff and rise again to the new life that you have waiting for us in Jesus. Help us, Lord God, as your people to be genuine, honest, vulnerable, and ready both to change and to help each other change, to help Fargo-Moorhead change, to help Minnesota and North Dakota change, to help the world change, Lord God. It is in you that we hope. It is you we praise. And we do that this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.